Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, uh, this morning we're going to uh, continue on in our series uh, in the book of John, and we're going to look at our main passage as, as John chapter 8, uh, verse 12, but we are going to look through a few places as we meander through the scripture this morning. Uh, and we're looking at one of the, another one of the I am statements that uh, Jesus uh, makes, and he says, I am the light of the world. Now, light is one of those uh, important things in our lives, right? Uh, we need it. Uh, it's important for us. And typically, light comes from the sun, as you in, and uh, we get to enjoy it. The more sunlight we have, the, the greater it is, right? We're, I am so glad to be past winter. I don't know about you. And uh, I'm not, you know, where was it I saw that they had snow here the other day? Just crazy. Uh, I, I know as a pastor, a family uh, family member, pastor, relation, some, something or other, out in Colorado, and they had they were having snow this last week, and I'm thinking, bless your hearts. And uh, so I'm glad to be past all of that, and I enjoy light, and I enjoy the sunlight, and the spring is great for that. We get to enjoy uh, sunlight. Sunlight's important. It provides important things for us, things like vitamin D. It causes our body to produce that. And, uh, and uh, which helps us, they call it the sunshine vitamin. Uh, one of the universities, the research universities, uh, found that more mental health distress, uh, there is uh, more mental health distress during times where there's little sun exposure. We need the sun, it's important for us. And uh, the, uh, the availability of sunshine has more impact on our mood, more, more so than rainfall or temperature or any other environmental factor, they say. So getting some sun uh, actually can increase your serotonin and help you to stave off seasonal affective disorder, and sun exposure can, can also help people with anxiety and depression. So some of you are saying, okay, enough for the medical stuff, all right, let's, let's, let's keep moving on, but we understand how important it is that we, we have the sun that shines down on us. Uh, but those are some of the positive effects of natural sunlight. Uh, but those are for our physical and emotional well-being, but that's the S-U-N, and this morning we are looking and considering the S-O-N, the Son of God, and uh, who has said this word, he said, I am the light of the world. So what kind of benefits and what kind of reactions uh, do people have when they look into the light of the world? Well, we're going to find out here this morning, as we see in the scripture, we find uh, in the gospel of John that Jesus has been engaging the Pharisees and some of the religious people of his time. And, uh, and so our key passage is, is John uh, chapter 8, verse 12. And he says when Jesus, it says when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And really, this uh, verse has some important meaning for us. On one side, we hear who Jesus is. On the other side, we hear what we receive. And so we're going to look here at a greater drop, drop backdrop 
of uh, what has been happening when Jesus said this. Now, it's evident that Nicodemus, uh, that we see in the New Testament, that he was part of that day's leadership back then. And in fact, over in John chapter 7, verse 50, uh, he sa it says this, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, that means the ruling council, because he was part of that, he asked, uh, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he's doing? And remember, he's talking to the other, other Jewish leaders at this point. And these, those guys uh, retort back to Nicodemus there in verse 52. And he says, are you from Galilee too? They're really kind of giving him a hard time. And look into it. And you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. So they're thinking, you know, what are you talking about? Jesus is of Galilee, you know, in that area. And, and the, these guys missed it because they assumed he was simply from that area. When Scripture foretold that he, was be, he would come out of Bethlehem. And, and Nicodemus was not mistaken. He, he was a seeker and he sensed that there was more to the story about Jesus. And so... You can go back with me over in the book of John chapter 3, and in those first few verses of John 3, we find that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, uh, Nick at night, right? And he told Jesus, yeah, some of you caught that, Rabbi, he said, we know you are a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform all the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. We then find Jesus uh, responding to, with his uh, famous message of truth, and he said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And then Jesus and Nicodemus have some conversation there, and Jesus lit up Nicodemus' understanding a little bit, yet he's still one of the leaders there, the ruling leaders. And, and in this context and conversation, Jesus tells Nicodemus, in chapter 3, verse 17, you know 16, right? Verse 17, he says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He goes on to say in verse 19 and 21, he says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people have loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they may see, uh, be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So we see here something, one of the first things we see here is that light exposes what is in the darkness of our lives. So Jesus is the light, and he knows the hearts of people. He knew that when light is shed on something, that everything is going to be exposed, everything is going to be seen. It's like when it's, it's midnight, say so you come into a dark room. When you come into a dark room and it's midnight, there's no lights on, it's very hard to see, right? When you get up early in the morning even, it can be that way if there's no light at that time. So you come into the room, and you can't see a thing. And so finally, if you want to see something, you're going to flip the switch on for the lights. And when you flip the switch on, then you can see the things around you. 
And I think that sometimes that's why people like the lights low, at least spiritually speaking. They want the lights low because they don't want everything to be seen and they don't want to admit that the that this is hanging around or that is hanging around in their lives. But when we come near to Christ, the light, then everything is seen. That's the thing about light in a small room. If you don't want to see something, you can just do what? You can just like throw a blanket over it, throw something over it, cover it up so it's not seen, right? Maybe you have an old couch and maybe it's worn or has the wrong color on it. It doesn't match your uh, color scheme. What do I know about that? But uh, anyhow, so you throw a cover over it so nobody sees that. You, you don't want people to notice those things. Now, there's a great thing about being exposed to the light. It can produce healing in our lives when we're open with God and we, are expl- we let God know who we are because we're honest with Him. And it's not that He doesn't know who we are already, right? It's not, that, it's not like He doesn't understand our situation. And those those uh, very things that people try to cover can never really be corrected and overcome until we expose them to the light. We have to become truthful to God and to others to become who God has called us to be. And we find Jesus here, just by His presence and His words of truth, was exposing the reality of the hearts of people that was there. And for those who thought they were, they were very good, he revealed to them that though they, thought, though they may do some good things, sometimes their, their attitude or maybe the way they did things was like garbage. And then there are those who knew their way of thinking or living wasn't right, but when Jesus shed his light on them, they realized that uh, they could leave that path that they had been on and live a different way and to glorify God in their lives. So, exposure to light can do different things for us. can do different things. When I was back in high school, one or two years ago, uh, when I was back there, I, I took a photography class. Not that I'm good with that, but I, I enjoyed the class, and we got to make our own cameras and do those kind of things. We got to take pictures with 35-millimeter cameras and, and then develop the film and then make prints and all that kind of stuff. It was pretty cool. I learned how exposure at the right time could really have an effect on the camera film and different kinds of light and how much you had. And once the film was exposed, uh, it was then kept in that dark camera so it couldn't be continually exposed and then just wash out whatever the picture was there. And so it, we would take those cameras and we would have to go to the dark room and the dark room was dark. And uh, we had to make sure we had to make sure because we did have lights, a special kind of light in there, and we kept those off when we would transfer the film out of the camera into the developing can for the to, to be able to develop the film. And uh, so we would put the film in there, we'd get it all rolled up in there, and uh, if we did it right, we would put the developer in and, and be able to uh, set the set the uh, pictures on that film and and so that it would you'd be able to see it we do it chemically and so then after all that was finished uh we could actually turn one level of lights on in in the room and then look through and try to see what was on the film but really we had to add more light through the film to be able to really see what was on that film 
And uh, then uh, once you did that, uh, you could actually see if there were any blemishes. Say the person had a blemish on their nose or something, you could come back and you could touch it up, you know, or maybe maybe they wanted their nose smaller or bigger or whatever. <laughs> you could do all kinds of things with photography. And so, and I think that's kind of the way it is with us too in our faith as well. God can see those blemishes in our lives when the light is on, when Christ is on, and then he can kind of clean those things up in us. Don't come and pray for a miracle of a nose change. That's just probably not how it I don't know if he wants to do that one, but when we're exposed to the light of Christ, he can touch up our life. Are, are you willing to be exposed to the light of Jesus the Christ? Are you willing to allow him to work in your lives? When, when you are exposed, God may handle it in a way that we're kind of surprised with. So many times religious people may hand it in, handle it in a poor way. But Jesus reaches out with compassion. We even find that here in the early part of John chapter 8. We're not going to look at that past part of the passage. When, G, when, a, woman, uh, when a woman comes and is com uh, accused of committing adultery. And uh, so the way Jesus handled it was with compassion. But John chapter 8 verse 12 again it says this when Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So God is light. We recognize that He is light. Jesus is still on the temple grounds at this point when He's talking. And He gets entangled in conflict with the Jewish opponents, those who didn't accept Him. And the Pharisees challenged the legitimacy of His witness here in chapter 8, but but Jesus finally tells them in verse 28 in chapter 8, he says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, referring to the cross, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. Now let's do a little looking here into the light. I, I know that they tell you not to look directly into the sun, but here this morning we're going to do it. Uh, but the real sign and the Old Testament uh, actually finds God himself as well as his word of the Old Testament law as a light. It calls it that uh, Psalm chapter 27 verse 1 says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord has a way of guiding our lives through difficult pathways that only he can direct us. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that place when you needed His direction or His guidance in your, in your life? I think that all of us have. In Psalm 36, verse 9, it says this, For with you is the foundation of life. In your light we see light. So we get the understanding that God is light. We understand He is and he helps us to see reality, even though he himself is reality. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry about when we know that he can direct our lives through the maze of this life. Because this life can be a maze at times, can it? And I know, I've talked to many of you, I know that we all walk through those mazes in this world. 
Uh, and sometimes it may be challenging, but what we have to do is talk to the light of the world who can help us walk through that because He is faithful and He cares for us. Light imagery is also applied to the end time servant of the Lord or the Messiah as we understand and to the Lord's own presence in the middle of His people in the last days. In Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6 it tells us this, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Hope was not only for the people of Israel, but he, uh, here he even says a light for the Gentiles, and that's for us that, that we may see, that we may recognize for those of us who are, who are not of a, a, a Jewish in background, but we have hope in Christ because he has come to give us life. He's come to redeem us, and that hope is for the rest of us that we might have salvation, that we might be connected with God. There's nothing better than that for those of us who will trust in Him. Contemporary Judaism applied the, the phrase light of the world not only to God, but also to Israel, to Jerusalem, uh, to the patriarchs, and even to the Messiah. But here a light, here in John chapter 8, verse 12, it's applied to the symbolism of the Feast of Tabernacles. as It's something maybe we don't think about very often, but as part of the festivities, four golden lamps were put in place and an abundance of oil was poured into four large bowls. And the lamps rose above the outside walls of the temple and were said to light the entire city of Jerusalem. And in the following celebration, the people danced with torches and praised God, and Levites uh, played their instruments, their musical instruments, and they were standing on the steps that led from the court of the Israelites to the court of women. And the dancing and singing lasted all night until dawn, and something that we should notice, though, really is this, that the main candelabras were left until the last night to remind Israel that they were still waiting for their full salvation in the future. It's here in this context that Jesus is speaking. But now, Jesus declares Himself to be light of the world. Jesus, the Messiah, is the light of the world. Jesus drops the gauntlet there in John 8, 12. He does, and He, and he says, whoever, then He says, after this, He says, whoever follows Me, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here in the latter part of this verse, there are some things that we need to consider, we need to look at here without moving on until we engage them just a little bit. But first, Jesus gives us a conditional statement with that promise in the latter part of verse 12, and He says, whoever follows Me, Whoever follows me, there, there's no question that Jesus knew that some would accept who he was and some would not. And that was the case in the time. And he would, and even in our time today, we understand that he would rather that each person would come to grips that he is the light of the world, the Messiah. Yet he knows some don't care what the truth is. And sometimes what they will do is they'll try to create their own truth 
Second Peter chapter 3, 9, the Apostle Peter says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In other words, He wants us all to be able to turn away from our old way and turn towards Him and follow Him. And it's still that way today. Time and time again, Jesus called people to follow Him, and He had had life and hope to offer them, and he still does. That's, what, that's what's available to you and I, if we'll follow him in faith. Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says it this way, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. That's one of those things that we don't necessarily want to talk about in our day, in our time. We don't like to talk about judgment. We don't like to talk about obeying. And uh, this helps us understand what following is about, because really following is a following or obeying His Word. And uh, Jesus also says over in John chapter 14, verse 23, these words, uh, He replied and He said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So second, uh, Jesus, so Jesus gives us a condition, and with those conditions, there's a promise for us if we will follow Him. And the promise is that we will never walk in darkness, but we will have the light of life. If we follow Him, and when we follow or obey His Word, Jesus gives an illustration. That illustration, we see that the Gospel of John, John, he puts it in there in chapter 9. I don't have it on the screen for you this morning, but this was a special illustration to illustrate what light really is about. John 9, verse 1 says, And he went along and he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. What a question they are asking him. A belief that they had to deal with. And, and verse 3 says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Then he goes on and says, But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. God was going to use this miracle uh, to glorify his name. And as we go on, verse 4, he says, And as long as it was day... As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. He said, go. He told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed, his, uh, and, washed and came home, home seen. It's kind of interesting that, that he like spits and make mud. Now, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice that you come up and get prayed for and we say, oh, wait just a second. I need to go outside and get some dirt and spit on it and then put it on you. Uh, I don't think you'd be real happy or pleased about that. But something that's interesting with that, though, that, that would really would have been considered unclean for him to put his spit on that person. So he would have been unclean. That's not, wasn't supposed to do that kind of thing. And it's kind of like Jesus is setting that guy up. Mr. Blind Man, 
why don't you put this spit and dirt on your eyes and then go wash it off? Well, of course he's going to wash it off. But God does something special. And he heals him. And he restores his life. So the man went and washed and came home seeing his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging ask, isn't this that the same man who used to sit and beg? I remember in, when I've lived in different places uh, and when I was in Africa, I remember some of the times that we would go into particular areas and there would be those who uh, didn't have a place didn't have, and they were beggars and they would ask for help and you would see some of the same people all the time. And I, I'm sure for some of these guys, that's the way it was. The people in the community, they know him. Hey, there's Fred over here again. He's coming up. He needs a handout because they need something. Verse 9 says, some claim that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him, but he, he himself insisted, I am the man. I should know. I was blind and now I see. And now, how then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and he put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and, he, and then I could see. Where is the man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. So we know at, the, at this point, the, uh, some of the ruling leaders are kind of engaging him, trying to figure out what's happening. And uh, uh, it was here, at this, this was an illustration of Jesus' statement over here in chapter 8, verse 12. It, and this miracle was not only a sample of Jesus' ability to restore sight to a man born blind, but it also represented, represented figuratively and for the blind man by experience the beginning of spiritual light to be able to see. This miracle brought new light to the disciples on, on one of the mysteries that had puzzled them when it had come to sin. And, and although Jesus had healed this blind, the, the many blind people at other occasions, this sign was outstanding because this man had been born blind. Was it something that came on him later on in life and they, thought it, they saw it as a very big miracle? And it was. But later on in chapter 9, verse 35, we find this. Jesus heard that they had thrown this guy out of the, out of, uh, the synagogue and he threw him out, and when he, he, found, he found him, he uh, said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. You can see again. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. I pray that we are not blind. Jesus, the Messiah, the light of the world, offered light to everyone. The blind man, his disciples, even those religious leaders of the day, 
It's evident that the blind man believed and trusted Christ. Eleven of his disciples out of the twelve put their faith in Christ. And really for them, a lot of them didn't really get it even until after his resurrection. Then you have those religious leaders. And I think sometimes we misunderstand that uh, that uh, none of them, none of those leaders of any sort, I'm maybe on the ruling council, I don't know, but we know we had Nicodemus there engaging him out of them. But the Scripture tells us over in the book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 7, it says, so the word of God spread. This is after his resurrection. He said, so the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So there were many there that put their faith in Christ. And they trusted Him. Some of those leaders at that time, they did. As we wrap this up this morning, we conclude, and Michael's going to come and lead us in our final song here. Are you, are you really letting the light of the world shine in your life? Are you allowing Him to shine in your life in a personal way? Would you stand with me this morning, please? Are you letting Him see into the places in your lives that no one else notices? Maybe it's your attitudes. Maybe it's your thoughts. Maybe it's other things. And we have to ask ourselves, how, how do you respond to Him when you come face to face with the light of the world? One thing we know is if you continue to follow Christ, you will never walk in darkness. If you continue to walk in Him in faith, walking with Him, trusting Him, you will not walk in darkness. He will help you walk through the dark places of this life you have to trust Him and must follow Him. Which may even mean to obey His Word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We ask You to help us in this morning and this day. Help us to be able to follow You fully as You, the light of the world, looks down into our lives and, and has an effect in us, Lord, Your people. Father, may we leave this place not the same with some transformation in our hearts and our minds, recognizing that you have called each and every one of us to serve you and follow after you. Father, may we not be like those at that time with some of the religious people who were blinded, blinded by their own views of things, blinded by their own agenda, blinded uh, by the things they saw around them only because they, they didn't want to see those ugly places. And, and Father, I pray that you would help us to be honest like Nicodemus. Asking, seeking, and wanting to know more and being willing to allow your light to shine in this life. May we be the type of people that says, Lord, here I am. Look in my life, see my heart, see my mind, everything that I am. Do your transforming work in me. Father, I pray that you would help us. In Jesus' name.